The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Influencer's Edge. We are always unedited, so as you can see, we're having some technical issues. I spilled coffee on my computer, yay! So this computer is non-properly, unproperly configured, but we're going to make up with a genius guest today. I say this because I read his book. It totally blew my mind. It's a completely different approach to selling than my own and than anything else I've ever said. It's I ever seen is completely unconventional and that's why we love him because he's uh cutting edge and contrarian completely against the common advice you get so i want to welcome jeremy minor hey jeremy hey thanks for having me on your uh show i will uh i'll take all of that as a compliment because my kids sam pretty boring so thank i you. think that's thank a low edge <laughs> either that's not true your kids don't understand oh, definitely definitely true for sure all right, so let me read your biography. Sure. So the single most effective way to sell anyone is to become a problem finder and problem solver, not a product pusher. I love that distinction. You're a problem finder, not a product pusher. I love it. It's uh, alliterative. For Jeremy, the embodiment of this philosophy made him one of the wealthiest sales professionals on the planet. During his 17-year sales career, he was recognized in the direct selling industry as the 45th highest earning producer out of the 800 million salespeople selling anything worldwide. What's the strangest thing you've ever sold, Jeremy? Let's start by departing from your The bio. strangest thing I've ever sold? Yeah. Well, four, I, yeah, I don't know. The four industries, though, I sold in four industries in my 17-year uh, career before I retired and started Seven Level. First industry, I was in door-to-door. -door. That was my first job. Like, while I was in college, I sold alarm systems door-to-door. -door. Wow. Uh, second, did that about five years. The second industry I was in, I went right into, like, B2B. From door-to-door -to, -door to B2B, a bit of a transition, but picked that up quickly with what I knew about the brain and all that stuff, how it works. And I got into like debt relief services, uh, primarily to SMB, but quite a few enterprise level organizations, uh, debt relief services was in there for, geez, almost six years, something like that. 
Then I got into network marketing. So went back to like B2C sales, uh, made a ton of money there, uh, some would say. And then my last sales job, the last about three and a half years before I retired was in uh, what's called like the high ticket industry. Yeah. I sold like financial, like investing events for anywhere from 25 grand to 50 to 100 grand to some companies, but mainly, um, mainly, B2, mainly a B2C audience. Now that was okay. it. Those are the four industries I sold it. I want to pause you on something because yeah. you said, I always like, see when guests drop gold nuggets, they often go right past them. They don't even know that they're dropping them. So I want to pause you there. You said, you said based on your knowledge of how the brain works. So let's yeah. unpack. What do you mean by your knowledge of how the brain works and tell us is this yeah. neuroscience or what is that? Well, mean? you know, I'm I'm still learning. I'm I'm ever learning. You know, always uh, you know, learning new things. If you're not learning, you're you're you know, you're you're going backwards. But when I went to college, so what my major when I was in school was behavioral science and social dynamics, uh, which is really the study of the brain and how a human being like if you break it down, it's really the study of brain and how do human beings make decisions. Why do they say yes instead of they say no? Why does your spouse get upset at you for not taking out the trash when your last girlfriend you're with for a long time, in your example, I'm just making something up, she didn't care at all if you took out the trash or not. So why? what is the social dynamic of that? Like what causes the brain from one human being to act this way compared to the brain of another human being? So that's the state of social dynamics. So I had a, probably an unfair advantage when I got into selling because the quote unquote sales gurus that the company would have us learn from they you know, they give us the books, read the books and, you know, take the courses and those type of things. They basically were saying that the, the best way to sell communicate was over here. Whereas my professors in university and what I was learning from the way the brain works, they basically said the most persuasive way was over here. So we're talking like exact opposites, okay? And one of the professors that I studied from was a, a guy by the name of Robert Caldini. You ever heard of Robert? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caldini. So he wrote a book called Persuasion and Caldini, yeah. the man himself. There's one of my professors, yeah. Holy shite! Amazing. So there you go. A lot of other professors. I took a lot of online classes back in the early 2000s. That's kind of when the whole online thing was coming on board. So I was crazy. Like I would take classes outside of my degree just because I would just thirst for the thirst for more knowledge. So that's where I started learning about the brain and, and how human beings make decisions. And then I started like, okay, the sales gurus are saying it's over here. And I would use some of their techniques and things they would say. And I, I would notice some of them would work and I would make some sales. But I also noticed a lot of the things they were saying to do actually would cause prospects because I would see this reaction from their body language and their tone would cause them to like close down emotionally, stay surface level. When I asked good questions, they would give me vague, generalized surface level answers and I learned that a lot of their techniques actually triggered what's called, well, what I call sales resistance, which actually causes them to emotionally shut down, which actually triggers uncertainty in their brain, which causes you to get the objections that you hate getting. So I'm like, how do I eliminate that resistance? How do I get them from the very first words out of my mouth to let their guard down? We call that, I call that disarming, always be disarming. How do I get them to let their guard down 
where they want to engage, they want to open up and actually tell me what's really going on. So I, I learned how to do that. And, you know, the, the rest is history, as they would say. <laughs> I have two thoughts that come up as you speak, yeah. as, uh, speaking into what you say. It was one of the great marketing gurus who I studied with. Maybe it's Dan Kennedy. You know, mm -hmm. Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Dan. But I know you're talking about, yeah. Dan said something along the lines of people don't buy from the person who presents the best solution first. They buy from the person who understands the problem first, the person who has the correct diagnosis. Yes. It's just like you buy what your doctor gives you every time because they diagnose you and you trust the diagnosis, right? Because, I mean, there's a whole lot more to that. But so many salespeople, and it's not their fault. That's what they were trained to do. Not their fault. But like we always say here, it is their problem. That's yeah. the issue, right? And sometimes we just don't know. And I always ask, like, when I'm doing a keynote or maybe I'm doing a virtual event or something with salespeople or business owners, I ask, like, what's the biggest problem in sales? And they're like, uh, not good enough leads, uh, don't know how to close, uh, you know, don't know the right questions. And I'm like, okay, those are those are probably all problems. But the biggest problem in sales is the problem that you don't know you have. Because if you don't know that you have a problem, that's an impossible for you to ever know what to do to actually solve a problem you didn't know it existed. So sometimes when we get into these keynotes and stuff and we, we talk about this, I think it triggers people to be like, oh my gosh, I never really thought about selling that way. You know, I've always thought about it transactional, adversarial, me against the prospect, trying to win them over, manipulate them so I can make money. That's what average salespeople do in our day and age. Whereas we would train them the selling, like if you want to be a top 1% earning salesperson industry, you got to view selling as more collaborative, like you working with the prospect to actually help them find and solve problems so they can get the results they want to get. And I think like Dan said, because uh, I, I actually just came back from a mastermind uh, from one of his business partners, Russell Brunson. You know Russell Brunson? Of course, for the funnel. Yeah, fun quick funnels. So we're we're a part of like this mastermind. There's like, I think 15 or 20 business owners. You have to be doing a certain amount of revenue per year to even pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in the mastermind. But I've got to know Russell a lot, me and my CEO and my and our, our chief revenue officer going to these events here uh, the last year. And he always talks about Dan. And, you know, one thing he talks about Dan is, is Dan would say probably relanguage that and say like, People buy from the company or the person who they feel understands their unique situation the most. It doesn't matter about price. It doesn't matter about cost. They buy if they feel you understand their unique, notice I said unique, because everybody feels like they're unique, situation the most because they feel like the company, the salesperson, the, the marketing ad who understands their unique situation can get them the best result. So they're always willing to pay more to get the best result, if that makes sense. It makes fantastic sense. Now, I'm not going to get, you have so much to contribute. If you don't mind, I'm not going to continue. I'm not that cool, but th thanks for the compliment. <laughs> oh. So let's start out by talking, before you begin this process of yeah. selling, before you start asking questions, yeah. your mindset going in, because everyone asks me when I teach them, about sales and I have, I, I'm very narrowly niche, but we'll get it. Right. When, what is your mindset going in? To yeah. This? 
Our mindset's probably different than most sales training you've ever gone through because most sales training, because I've, you know, over the, the past, what, 23 years of me starting as a salesperson when I was 21, 22, you know, and then we started seven level about four and a half years ago. Um, I've either read or listened to uh, five books a month. I'm a fanatic on this. Five yeah. books a month, read or listened to, right? My car, I use my car like Brian Tracy would say, it's university on wheels. Like I don't even listen to music, right? I just throw it out, right? So I've either read or listened to five books a month times 12 months a year. So that's like 60 books a year times 23 years. So it's like 1,400 some books, sales, persuasion, influence. I've probably taken my, uh, they counted up how many courses I've taken from my earlier days that I kept record of compared to the last five years. I've taken like 180 some courses on sales, persuasion, influence. So I know a little bit about it. And I was in the trenches for 17 years and did somewhat decent. And so in all, in all of that knowledge, the, the biggest thing is that sales training in general, okay, I'm sure there's a few that don't, but in general, they're teaching you that you have to do all the work, right? You got to do all the work. You got to do all the selling. You got to do the convincing. You got to do all the persuading. You got to overcome their objections with rebuttals. You got to close, close, close. Now you can do that. You're just unfortunately going to have to play the numbers game. Absolutely. Okay? Just go, go through a ton of numbers, work your butt, little butt off to like get where you're at, but that's, it can't get you any higher than that. Like you're going to be, you're going to be capped. Right. So with, with our mindset, with my mindset of sales is I was more focused on uh, the skills game rather than the numbers game. Now, what do I mean by the skills game? Well, what questions am I asking? When I actually talk with the prospect, how am I using my tone to get them to let their guard down? How am I seeding certain things in their mind as I'm asking different questions and saying things in that sales process that prevent most of the objections from happening in their mind? So I'm playing more of the skills game. That's how I grew up on selling because I'm more focused on the quality of each conversation rather than just quantity and numbers of trying to get through to as many people as I could. So I even started doing that when I was door to door selling alarm systems when I was a 21 year old kid. And the average rep would have to knock on like, you know, a couple hundred doors and get their, you know, slammed in their face to make a deal. Whereas like, I literally could talk to like five people and close four of those five. And so I'm working like four hours closing four times as many as the guy working 12 hours who's focused on the numbers, I'm more focused on the skill game, right? So in our training and how my mindset is, is your prospects are the ones who have the problems, right? Not you, you don't have the problem. They have the problems. Now they have the problems or the emotional needs, right? Your solution solves those problems and or emotional needs. So why are you doing all the work when they're the ones that have the problems and you're the one that actually has the keys to solve those problems? So what we train salespeople is how to get the prospect to do all the work, how to get the prospect to sell themselves, how to get the prospects to persuade themselves, how to get the prospects to overcome their own concerns and how to get the prospects to pull you in. I love selling really, really easy compared to all this numbers, hustle, muscle. I mean, I love the concepts. I just, you know, so much easier to sell that way. You just make a lot more money. Help more people too. <laughs> those, are, those are good outcomes. 
So those are really great. I never, I never understood the way everybody else viewed sales. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Like they're the ones that have the problems, not me. I'm the one that can solve them. So why am I doing all the work? They should be doing all the work. Let me, let me drop something on your plate. It's a sure. ball, a couple of balls. Throw, throw me a curveball, man. Throw me knuckle curve, change up, maybe a slider here and there. I've heard of question-based selling before, but your, I read your book, Seven, uh, forgive me. I'm. I oh, I know what you're talking about. You got what's called a, so we're, I mean, we market everywhere on Facebook and IG. You'll, you'll probably be retargeted now for 10 years, man. You're going to see our ads everywhere. So I think what you bought is the black book of NEPQ questions. Now, that's just a generic version of NEPQ, which is called, it stands for Neuro-Emotional Persuasion Questioning. That's the methodology I, I invented from my uh, background in behavior science. But that, I think that's the book you got for like, what, 20 bucks or something? Yes, it's genius. It's, oh, genius. it's not, I mean, it's just, I'm going to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you, thank you for the compliment. We keep that very generic because we train 158 different industries. So we have to make that book like very, very generic. It is good, but it's more like tips. It's not really like training, like our virtual training courses, but thank you for the compliment. I do take that as a compliment. So let me ask you this. Why do you name it seven levels? What is that? Ah, not many people have ever asked me that. So I'm, my mom drowned the stupid kids, Jeremy. <laughs> I like, you know, I've had, a, you know, I, I was on in, a, in 2022, I did like 150 some podcast. I think one person asked me that. Uh, and this year I've honed it down. I think this year I've done like a third of that because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm podcasted out. But seventh level, uh, so I, I'm a crazy dude. Besides reading Sales Persuasion Influence, I read uh, a lot of history. So I'm like a history fanatic. I'm, I'm just weird like that. I love the history channel. But seventh level, uh, besides my uh, background in behavioral science and uh, social dynamics, in college, I also took a lot of courses on New Testament Christianity and Judaism. I know I'm weird. I love studying world religions. I'm just, I love we it. have the same interests. So if you have the same interests as me, you're special. Not hey, that's, oh, thank you very much. So so, I mean, I don't study like I do, you know, persuasion influence because I'm the sales train. We have a sales training company, but still, it's like my hobby. It's what I like to do in my in my in my uh, time off work, I guess. So, in in ancient Judaism and early Christianity, and when I say early Christianity, I mean the time before like the fourth century with the rise of Roman Catholicism, where you had like the early apostolic uh, fathers of the church that were trained by the apostles, and then they they trained from the apostles, and those bishops trained those bishops, and this was long before the Catholic Church, the Council of Nicaea, all that kind of stuff. Okay, if you're familiar with like the Nicene Creed and all that, and the earliest Christians believed and uh, the, the early Jews believed that when you died, okay, after you went through like, uh, you know, paradise or this, you know, they called it the spirit world or whatever, when you were resurrected, you would go into their seven levels of heaven. I'm I kid you not. This is crazy. It's not, it's very different than like traditional Christianity now, where there's like a heaven and a hell. So the early Christians believed that there were seven levels of heaven. And at the seventh level, that is where actually God dwelled himself and you could only obtain that level if you became perfected in him. Like if you kept his commandments, you repented of your sins, you believed in his son, Jesus Christ, you would only obtain that level and become like him more, you know, perfected like him, like morally, all that kind of stuff, if you were really good on earth. I mean, there's a lot more to it, right? And so the seventh level 
implies that you become perfected. So I took seventh level perfection in the art of sales, persuasion, and influence. So that's how I tied that in. That's <laughs> uh, <I know. laughs> very, very, very good. So let's. So I'm hoping when I pass away that I'm good enough to at least get to the first level. That's that's what I'm going for. <laughs> Let, let's. You said also something interesting. You said you're, everything you're saying is interesting, but. Chris Foss. Have you heard of Chris Foss? He wrote I have. Yeah, I've, re I've read his, uh, I, I don't know how many books he has, but I've read a, a book about negotiation from him. I, I uh, split the difference or never, never split the, yeah, never split the difference. I think so. It's called. It's a good book. Yeah. He's a former FBI hostage negotiator. He talks about back when he was negotiating hostage takers and really getting them out of there. He used what he called his late night FM DJ voice. to uh, talk. I remember that. Yeah. When you talk about tone, is it something similar? Yeah, so the, your tone is actually where most of the sales made. Most people never think about it. Salespeople are really never trained. Now, you read a book and it'll say 73% of the sales from your verbal and nonverbal skills, but then nobody teaches you like how to actually do that, right? It's like very rare. So typically, we teach that there's really four types of tone, okay? Because your tone is how your prospect interprets the intention behind what you're saying or asking, like Chris said. So his, you know, the people he's trying to talk to, the way he's using his tone is how they're interpreting why he's saying what he's saying or why he's asking it, right? So let me give you an example outside of sales. Let's say you're upset at your teenager. If you start yelling and your hands are out like this, you're yelling like this, they're going to interpret that as what? You're angry, you're pissed, you're mad, right? Now, let me change something here. And we're not even talking about tone. This is more body language. I'll go back to tone. But if I simply start yelling the same way and put my hand on my chest and I'm yelling, what would that typically imply to my teenager? That indicates that you care, that you're open-hearted, that this is your way of communicating your honest truth to them without blame or attack. That I'm disappointed in them for doing what they did, but they don't feel like I hate them or I'm mad at them. And they, they might think I'm mad, but I'm I'm doing it in a way as a as a father's, I'm disappointed in them simply by putting my hand on my chest instead of like this. Is it see that's just one little thing, right? So go, that's more body language, but going back to tone. That's how the prospect interprets why you're saying something or what it means. So there's a curious tone. Okay. So I might, let's say if I'm selling, I'll try to give you something. Let's say if I'm selling, um, uh, let's say if I'm selling, uh, I work for a marketing agency. I'm just going to throw it out there. I was just working on this a minute ago. So if I'm selling marketing services to a company, better leads, higher quality leads, and I want to start asking what are called situation questions to help them and me find out what their real situation is. So I might lean in and say, um, John, can you can you walk me through like what do you guys use now to generate new leads and, and clients so I have more understanding? See, that's a curious tone, right? Now the prospect is interpreting my question as he's asking me this because he's curious. So because they feel I'm curious, they tend to open up. But if I ask that same question in like a, an assumptive, like salesy tone, or I'm really excited tone, they might interpret that as, oh, he's asking me that to try to sell me. I so, love that pause button, pause button. You just said something genius. Yeah. You said, if you ask it in an excited tone, and yeah. I'm 
said when I teach, too much enthusiasm will kill a sale. hundred percent. Yeah. Both desperate and as pushy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a typical salesperson, right? Like it's, it's so interesting to me because salespeople like they hate when a salesperson's really enthusiastic and excited trying to close and sell them, but then they go out and they do the same thing with their prospects and wonder why nobody's buying. I'm like, <laughs> you're not understanding your tone is killing you. Now, the second, so you're absolutely right. Enthusiasm. Now, I don't mean be boring, but you want to be more neutral, more unbiased, more collective. Okay. Collective breeds confidence. Like I'm assertive when I'm talking here right now, but I'm not overly enthusiastic. I'm not posturing. I'm not aggressive, but I'm still matter of fact. And that builds more respect in the prospect's mind because they view you more as an expert rather than a salesperson trying to stuff your solution down their throat. So many distinctions you're dropping here. Expert, yeah. not, not a salesperson. One of the reasons this is landing for me so strongly, yeah. number one, I teach neutrality myself, but also in my other incarnation, yeah. I am Canadian seduction coach. And oh, I, really? yes, I teach guys the same thing. You need to use different tonality and you need to contain your excitement and yeah. come it's a genuine curiosity rather than <laughs> what's exactly. Yeah. The moment the prospect feels like you're just there to sell to them is the moment they emotionally shut down and it's over most of the time. So you've got a curious tone. The next tone is more of a, a confused tone. Now, a lot of people when they're like, what do you mean? You can't act confused to the prospect. I'm like, well, it just depends on what you're talking about because confusion causes a prospect to do what come to your rescue clarify what you just asked so if they say something i might say uh, john I'm, I'm not under understanding how did you mean when you said see that's a confused tone now they're going to interpret me saying like I, john walk me back i'm not understanding when you said blank how did you mean by that see that's a confused tone now that confused tone causes them to feel like oh i didn't explain myself properly i need to clarify what i meant now, why would I want that? Because I want them to clarify what they meant because what happens? They start to relive the pain that they just talked about, right? So as they give me more clarification, I'm really doing it for them to build a bigger gap so they can relive pain that they were just describing more surface level because I want them to relive it more under the surface because that drives change. Right? Like what's the biggest emotional driver in a human being that causes a human being to want to change? fear it's it's pain and the fear of future pain of what could happen right those two things right now there's also besides the curious tone you got the confused tone then you have more of the challenging tone i call it the c's all right it's the challenging slash skeptical tone now i can't you know i can't use challenging tone in the beginning of a conversation because i don't have a lot of trust or credibility in the first few minutes but let's say i get three-fourths of the way through that first conversation it depends on if you sell b2c or, or b2b one step you know one call close compared to you know a complex sound environment that might take months so there's some differences there but i might lean in and ask what's called the consequence question once they've started to see all these newfound problems and once i've got them to see what their future is going to look like once they're all solved i want to rip that away from them using a consequence question that gets them to defend themselves on why they need to change and change now which builds massive urgency. But I have to use a skeptical tone to do that. So this is a generic version. I mean, I might lean in like, okay, but 
what if you don't do anything about this and XYZ gets even worse? See, that's a challenging tone. Now, that tone causes them to defend themselves, which I want, on why they have to change. Now, as a salesperson, all you're really selling is change. I mean, if you describe selling in one word, it's change. It, it's, it, it, that's all selling is. You're getting them to see what you're offering in a different perspective than the, how they saw it before. You're getting them to want to change their situation, right? Now, the, third, the fourth tone is the concern tone. The concern tone. So you've got the curious tone, the confused tone, not understanding. Help me understand the confused tone. You've got the challenging tone. Well, what if you don't do anything? That's a challenging tone. And then you've got the concern tone. So I might lean in if they're on the fence and I, I can't help them overcome this concern or whatever. It's my last ditch you know, effort. I might lean in. I'm going to put my hand on my chest, even if I'm on the phone, because that affects your what? Your body language affects your tone. Okay. But especially if they can see you. And I might lean in and I might say, Sally, um, What's really holding you back from moving forward? Oh my God. I could see that's that. a concern tone. I can yeah. see that in dating and relationships and everything else. <laughs> yeah. So Sally now, Sally now interprets that as what? That I'm concerned that her problems are not going to get solved and she's never going to get what she wants. So Sally is much more inclined to open up and tell me her real concerns. But if I don't use a concerned tone there that shows empathy, Sally is far less likely to ever open up to me. This is profoundly different. Uh, no yeah. one other than you and me, I teach in a different way, yeah. talks about tone, is even aware of it, yeah. much less teaches it, I'm sure, in your, in your seminars and all yeah. your ways of communicating. Yeah. I find that really the only people or courses that really teach like advanced tonality. Like I'm talking about, I mean, what I just showed you there was not really advanced. That's just kind of an overview. There's a lot more to that because some consequence questions, I'm going to start with a skeptical tone and then end it with a concern tone. And there's different reasons for that, depending on the industry I'm, I'm selling, I'm in, right? But the, I don't really find, and I could be wrong, but out of all the sales training stuff I've ever seen, which I'm going to go out on a limb, I've probably seen the most of most sales trainers, you know, I'm, there could be somebody, I'm not going to say that, there's, there, there's situations, but the most tonality training I've ever seen that actually makes sense is by people who train actors and actresses how to act in films, because what they do is they teach verbal pausing, so like when you're giving a speech, so I'm not into politics, like I, I really play no sides here, I'm just kind of like, I'm just a sales trainer, we have clients that believe this, we have clients, companies that believe this, they're all over, salespeople believe everything, like we're just sales training company, we just focus to what I know, I don't know anything about politics, okay, so I, I have no judgment when I say this, when I see politicians speak, I just look for how they communicate, because I geek out on that stuff, so one really good uh, politician, uh, when they speak was uh, President Obama. So yeah. when he would talk, he would slow down his cadence. That's called verbal pacing. Verbal, he's pacing out the speech. So what that did, that first thing, verbal pacing, when he would say something like a long paragraph or two, he would slow down and he would stop. And then he would talk about 
some of your issues and why they were happening and what they were going to do about those. See, that's, what, that's verbal pacing. Now, what that causes the brain to do is engage where they like it's impossible for them to think about something else because they're hanging on to every word because of his verbal pausing and right. because he's pacing that out with different verbal pauses in a sentence it quite literally is almost impossible for you not to pay attention now that's he does really good and he also he also did what's called verbal cues now verbal cues are little sounds out of your mouth when somebody was talking like a reporter because i always would geek out on this. I'd watch like reporters asking questions to a lot of presidents, okay? Some are great communicators, others suck. Okay, and I'll give you a few other examples of ones that are not so good at communicating. But when the reporters would talk, he'd be like, uh-huh. Uh, and he'd listen to, uh, right? Ah, uh, but why did you ask that question? Ah, uh, but why? See, that's a verbal cue. So yeah. while he was listening, he was using verbal cues to show them he was present in that conversation, which builds trust in them. Because it's like if you're on the phone with grandma and you're telling grandma your worst, like, I just broke up with my girlfriend. So horrible. You talk for two minutes and grandma doesn't say a word. No sounds. You're like, grandma, you still there? Huh? Grandma, I can't. You, you don't think they're listening. So what he would do is he would show them he's listening by using those little verbal cues. Uh-huh. Ah. Okay. But why did you ask that question? Just so I understand. Ah, but what? See that verbal cue. Ah, but why did you see that verbal cue bridges from question to question? which makes it conversational, not scripted. What most salespeople do is they ask a question on their script. The prospect talks for three minutes, which is another problem because they don't know how to tactfully interject. They don't know how to interject to clarify and probe. That's a whole nother thing we could talk about. And then at the end, they, they finish, they pause a couple of seconds, a salesperson does, and they say, okay, cool, uh, awesome, yeah. Uh, let me ask you, John, and it just sounds scripted. It sounds contrived. It doesn't sound human. And so the prospect emotionally shuts down. Very interesting. Uh, we're going to, I know your time is valuable. We'll leave in just one minute because this is amazing. I could sit across and talk uh, over at dinner for hours with you because I, uh, your ideas are so radically different. I am also very, now, can I give you another example? Uh, one, I'm going to say a few more minutes. Yeah. One, one more second. Go ahead trained as a hypnotist hypnotherapy i've been doing it for 30 years and it's a classic technique in hypnosis that you have to pause to set up a command i can't say jeremy as you find yourself listening closely if i were to say i would say jeremy as you find yourself listening closely to what it is i have to say yeah I'm, you're verbal pausing yes i'm not verbal, sure verbal pauses are so powerful I'm not sure all the reasons you might think, hmm, this is really curious. So the other thing you can do is steal someone's verbal cue. Steal right. someone who goes, ah, a lot. You can just duplicate the sound without making yeah. it obvious. So it's called stealing an anchor. Please keep going. Give me another five minutes. I love that. So like, you know, uh, uh, President Obama is really good at that. Like if you ever watch Tony Robbins, you watch him on like YouTube and stuff, he'll get in the audience and he'll ask a couple of questions and he'll pause like right in the middle and then he'll talk, then he'll pause. And then, the you know, the, the, the person he's talking to just melts and starts getting really emotional. He's just using verbal pausing and verbal pacing to emotionally getting that, well, audience member, whatever you want to call a prospect to really think deeper about what he's saying or asking. So in a sales situation, when you're asking questions and you know how to verbal pace the question out 
and pause. Like, let me give you an example. If I want to ask a probing question and I want to focus on them thinking about what I'm saying, I might say, okay, but why so important to you now though? Now, notice how I emphasized now. So now they're thinking, oh, why is this important now? Like time frame. However, if I want a different response, I can literally ask the same question and say, why so important now though? And now they're focused on why it's so important just by me emphasizing the word important over now. And I have a verbal pause between important and now. See how I can control the way their brain thinks from the question I'm asking by just emphasizing one word and then a verbal pause before the next words. I got I to gotta change it, twist around. This is so so similar to what I teach my dating seduction clients. Let uh, me... You're you're a married gentleman, correct? No, I'm 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 not. I'm divorced. Oh, you're divorced, but you, but you were. And uh, when you really good friends with my ex, though. Okay, you have kids. I do. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, we have. Yeah, we have a child together. So really, you good practice this with your children, and kids are really smart. Can they pick up on it? Uh, you know, my kids kind of know what I do now because most of them are teenagers. Not my little five year old, but most of my kids are teenagers, and they watch my reels. They they've been watching my stuff for about five six years they don't know everything but they know they know enough to be dangerous <laughs> jeremy you honestly i can say you've been one of our very top guests and we've had richard bamboo here of nlp and some other interesting people yeah thank you so much i know see i know but i mean this real i know people are going to so want to stay in a conversation with you how can they best stay in that conversation do you have yeah i mean the, the yeah, the best place, there's a couple places. They can go to one of our free Facebook groups. That's probably a good place. Uh, they can go to salesrevolution.pro, salesrevolution.pro. Uh, there's, I think, 80-some thousand salespeople in there and business owners. And we go live in that group about three to four times a week, different Q&As, different subject matter trainings. We give them some tips, little nuggets, right? If they ever want to get trained obviously in our training courses for clients they can always message us in there and, and reach out that's not a problem but if they want some little nuggets little tips that even those will help them sell more uh have them go to that facebook group salesrevolution.pro and uh we have a new book that just uh, it's in every major uh bookstore in the united states barnes and noble bestseller it's called the new model of selling this is my first book i actually wrote it just got published about four months ago the new model of selling selling to an unsellable generation and the biggest pet peeve i always had about pretty much not every book i've ever read because i've got some friends in, in sales training that have written some really great books but in most books i noticed that sales trainers they just kind of give a bunch of theory with really nothing tactical that's going to help you sell more i'm just being real there are some good ones though don't, don't get me wrong it's not everybody but i wanted to make sure in this book that people could walk away with like tactical like skills like Here's the right questions. Here's how to disarm. Here's what to do if the prospect says this. Here's how to ask this question. Now, obviously, we can't teach advanced tonality in here because you're reading it. Can't right. teach that yet. The audio book doesn't come out for like six to 12 months. So that'll be a while. Publishers make you do that. You publish a book, then the audio comes out a year later. But they can go to uh, Barnes & Noble's website. So just barnesandnoble.com. Purchase a book right there. It's 17, 18 bucks. If they, need, uh, if they don't have 17 or 18 bucks, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll help them get a GoFundMe page so they can 
fund the book, $17, so they can go out and sell more. I'm being cheeky. I'm always being sarcastic. But uh, have them go uh, get the book, probably a good start at uh, barnesandnoble.com and then uh, salesrevolution.pro if they want to learn a little bit more about what we do. That's one of our uh, Facebook groups, has has tens of thousands of salespeople. And it's a good place to learn for sure. Thanks sure. for having me. Jeremy, you're amazing. I hope we can get you back on. We could do three episodes with you at the very I, least. I'm not that cool. Now, if you have any future candidates for president or anything that want to learn verbal pacing, because I can tell you there's some that are really horrible at that. Okay, I'm not going to name names, all right? Uh, I'm sure, here's what I would say. Every president on either side has their strengths and they have their weaknesses. Nobody's perfect, right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. So anyways, you have any presidents or future presidents listening that want to learn verbal pacing, verbal cues, verbal pausing, advanced tonality, they can always get with us as well. No, but I do have someone I'll introduce you to who you'll sure. find mind-blowing. Stay on the line with me. I want to have a brief conversation. Okay. Thank Sounds you good. for being on the Influencer's Edge. You are an amazing guest. We'll see you all next time. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencer's Edge Show.